Welcome to the Our Savior Speaks podcast from Our Savior Episcopal Church, located at 4227 Columbia Road in Martinez, Georgia. Through this podcast, we'll be sharing messages of hope and encouragement that can be found in the life and lessons of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We will also explore ways in which God can work through each of us to make our Lord's grace and love a reality for all of humanity. On this week's Our Savior Speaks podcast, we are observing the feast day for Deaconess Anna Ellison Butler Alexander, which is September the 24th. The Reverend Deacon Sandy Turner delivered an excellent sermon that focused on the life and legacy of Deaconess Alexander. Now, to tell you a little bit about Deaconess Alexander, she was born in 1865 to recently emancipated slaves on the Butler Plantation in McIntosh County, Georgia. She was the first African-American set aside as a deaconess in the Episcopal Church in 1907. And Deacon Sandy Turner will go much further into telling you more about Deaconess Alexander and the life and ministry that she led that is really an example for us all to follow. The lessons for the feast day for Deaconess Anna Ellison Butler Alexander come from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, verses 25 through 30, and then the passage that Deacon Turner will focus on primarily from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, and verses 20 to 25. I encourage you to listen carefully to this great sermon from Deacon Turner as she will focus on the life and legacy of this incredible saint of the Diocese of Georgia who served in rural Glen County for 53 years, leaving a legacy of love and devotion that is still felt throughout the Diocese of Georgia. A reading from the book of Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. When your children ask you in time to come, what is the meaning of the decrees and the statutes and the ordinances that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your children, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. But the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. The Lord displayed before our eyes great and awesome signs and wonders against Egypt, against Pharaoh and all his household. He brought us out from there in order to bring us in, to give us the land that he promised on oath to our ancestors. Then the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our lasting good so as to keep us alive as is now the ease, the case. If we diligently observe this entire commandment before the Lord our God, as he had commanded us, we will be in the right. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
A reading from the second letter of Paul to Timothy. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message, be persistent whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. <clears throat> As for you, always be sober, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, carry out your ministry fully. The word of the Lord. gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
the name of God, our Father, creator, redeemer, and giver of life. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. It seems I'm getting, I get to do the sermons when we have a feast day, which I'm getting really excited about here. I was excited when Father Al asked me to do the sermon today because it is the feast day of Deaconess Anna Ellison Butler Alexander. And the bishop asked the clergy specifically to celebrate her today rather than our regular teachings that we have, because this is the first time that Deaconess Alexander's feast day has occurred on a Sunday since she was voted in to the book of Lesser Feast and Fast at the 2018 convention. It's really nice for me also because I was present at that convention in Austin as a delegate uh, for our diocese when she was voted in and recognized as a saint by the National Church. The readings that we have today were selected for her pers to personify her life and focus of her ministry, and I think they're just perfect. You can just imagine her saying, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. The suffering of those early that those is early Israelites dealt with before they followed him out of Egypt. It's so much like what she must have experienced herself, following God's call to help the poor and the young children be freed from the ignorance and to recognize their potential. So I want to share a little bit with you about the process of becoming an Episcopal saint and what it took for Anna Alexander to become a saint, in, not only in Georgia, but nationally. Now, Anna was born here in Georgia sometime around the end of the Civil War. Uh, they used the date 1865 but, as the year of her birth, but they're really not sure because there's no record of her exact birth. She was the 11th child born to parents who were enslaved in the Butler Plantation in McIntosh County. Now, Butler Plantation is off the coast of Darien, and those of the, you that have been down to Honey Creek might know on 95, when you go down, uh, you can see the, the tributaries go through, and there's a place that you can look, and usually I'm so busy looking at the road, but they say that that there's a, a chimney still sticking up uh, where the plant, where she might have lived and where the plantation was. But the Butler plantation was huge, and they, they had slaves that worked both Butler and Hamilton plantation, which was down in St. Simons. And um, so we don't really know what her early life was like or how long it was before her family was actually freed because we really know that even though the Civil War ended in 1865, some slaves did not really get freed at the same time. Uh, but she did learn to read and that skill that was forbidden to most slaves, uh, uh, she, was, she was able to get that before the war ended. And 
uh, she learned to read using the Book of Common Prayer and the Bible. And that Book of Common Prayer in those days was about this big and a teeny tiny print. So um, she became active in the Episcopal Church by teaching children how to read and write, first at St. Cyprian's in Darien, and then in Pennock, in the Pennock community, which is uh, across the little tributary from her. Um, I visited that school a few years ago, and it still stands at the Good Shepherd Church, who sponsored her efforts. She would travel by foot and rowboat from her home, uh, about 17 miles from the little community to teach. It would take maybe 40 miles if you, if you covered it all by foot. Um, and eventually, there, uh, she built a one-room schoolhouse that was expanded to two rooms and a loft that she was able to stay in during the week so she wouldn't have to row every single day to get to work. Now, I was talking to Father Billy Offord last week. We had the uh, convocation uh, cler clericus here, and I was asking him what he knew about uh, Deaconess Off. Uh, Deaconess Alexander because he had been uh, he had preached at her church one time and he's real active he's the uh, I think he's the president of the racial justice uh, ministry at, at our uh, convocation and um, he gave me his sermon and so I ex excerpted a couple paragraphs for you to tell you a little bit of, of the anecdotes that he had. And he said, Anna first taught at the public school in Pennock, and later she moved to Darien um, at the mouth of the Altamaha River, uh, where her sister Mary founded a school affiliated with St. Cyprian's Episcopal Church. Um, and there she taught with, her, with two sisters. She also uh, visited Brunswick, Georgia at St. Athanasius Episcopal Church in 1894 with the cooperation of the Brunswick priest, Anna founded the mission in Panic, which uh, uh, while still teaching in Darien during the week, so she would go back and forth from Panic to Darien. The mission waned when Anna accepted a position at St. Paul's Normal and Industrial School, which was in Lawrenceville, uh, Virginia, and um, she became a teacher there. Te she got teacher's college education. And in, but in 1897, she returned to Panic and revitalized that mission. The congregation was renamed the Church of Good Shepherd, and Anna uh, also started a school. She supported herself by sewing and managing uh, to buy property uh, in 1902 where um, the church and school stand and her brother Charles Alexander and other men built the church there. So in 1907 she was recognized by the bishop in Georgia and given the title deaconess because of her devotion and care for the children and poor in rural Georgia. She not only was the first African-American deaconess in Georgia, but is still the only African-American deaconess in the Episcopal Church today. The term deaconess, though, originates from the German Lutheran tradition and from 
1885 to 1970, about 500 women in the Episcopal Church were set aside as deaconesses to serve the poor and the sick. They wore blue habits and were often mistaken as nuns in the community. In, 18, in 1950, they were accepted into the ordained ministry as deacons, although many kept their original title as deaconess. Uh, please note that in Georgia, women were not ordained until the 1990s. So, a deaconess in the 50s may not have seen the role of deacon as a promotion. So, um, it's an interesting, interesting little, <laughs> little part there. We a uh, little side note too. You know, we have a deaconess Billsby from Christchurch who was in Christchurch and worked in the mill community in Augusta during the Depression. So there aren't that many deaconesses in history around. Um, so Anna was recognized for her hard work in 1907. At that time, she was 42 years old. She began taking her children out of Georgia, the backwater areas, up to schools and colleges where they were ready for more education and skills. But that same year, the diocese segregated the conventions and black members were no longer allowed to attend meetings until 1947, the year that Deaconess Alexander died. Um, up until that time, I think it's interesting to note that she was able to teach both black and white children, but at the time of the segregation, she could only teach black children. The stuff we put ourselves through, I tell you. Although she was recognized in 1907 by Bishop Nelson and in 1930 by Bishop Reese at the con convention for her faith and courage as a constant example in teaching so many children, Deaconess Alexander served for 53 years in that small rural community, and she is buried right in front of the schoolhouse. She was moved there, bought her, her grave was moved there uh, several years ago. There is an effort now to restore that building as a historical site. The church is still in use in the community, and we're going to be, look, you can look at a video, we're going to have to show a video after church at the, um, coffee hour if you'd like to uh, see more about her it's uh, made at the diocesan level by our bishop and um, it's only about 10 minutes long and you can also see it on the website uh, bishop henry loudet added her name to um, the book of saints in georgia and i have that a copy of that book right here um, and um Deaconess Alexander was in the Saints of Georgia, and her feast day is today, the day that she died, um, which began the whole process of naming her to the National Feast of Saints. So what had to happen was, in Georgia, she had to go to two conventions. They brought up in two conventions and voted and passed at two conventions, and then after that, moved to the National Convention and Georgia conventions are every year, but the national convention is only every three years. So after two conventions of a positive vote in Georgia, she went, the process went nationally. She was voted at the first national convention in 
and 2018 was the second national convention, which was approximately 76 years after she died. So it takes a long time to become a saint in Georgia. So, so today we continue her epic journey as we recognize Deaconess Alexander for her hard work she did in bringing education to the poor and rural children in Georgia. She was patient, resolute, and persistent as directed in Timothy. And she followed Jesus' directive saying to her students, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. I think the message we can take from her life and work is that she saw a problem and believed that she could make an impact. So she went forward and quietly did it. She made a tremendous impact on the coastal area of Georgia and is still felt today by local residents there. Let's all hope that such powerful and faithful work can be recognized in good time by us all and that maybe we can even learn to create change as powerfully as she did. Surely it is wonderful to recognize that we do have saints among us right now. Amen.